You are listening to episode number 21 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Gordon here, and this episode, episode number 21, is part three of the Amazon FBA breakdown, which is kind of in itself uh, a mini-series within a series. So (laughs) if you haven't been following along, um, I released an episode that described my top five recommended ways for making money online, part-time or full-time, and number two on that list was Amazon FBA. And that in itself, well, let me back up. After I released that episode describing my top five recommended ways for making money online, either part-time or full-time, I decided that I was going to do an episode individually breaking down each one of those five methods. So originally I thought I could do five episodes, one for each of those. Well, uh, when I got to Amazon FBA and decided to do an episode on that, and I started creating the outline for that, I realized that there is just so much content here. In fact, a lot of people dedicate their entire uh, podcast or their entire uh, like business model around teaching people how to use Amazon. So I want to be perfectly clear here, and I've said this before, that I am not an Amazon FBA expert. I continue to run multiple successful brands on Amazon, but I would not consider myself an expert. So, uh, but either way, so when I went to, when I went to create that episode, breaking down this whole Amazon FBA business model, and I realized that there was so much content, I probably couldn't squeeze it all into one episode. I created an outline and realized that three was going to kind of be the magic number. So episode one, uh, or, or part one of this Amazon FBA breakdown was episode number 15 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. Episode number 18 of the podcast was part two of that Amazon FBA breakdown series. And then the one you're listening to right now, episode number 21, is the uh, third and final installment of the Amazon FBA breakdown. Okay, so uh, this episode is going to wrap up everything that I want to be able to convey in sort of an elementary overview, uh, somewhat deep dive, but not totally deep, you know, just a a general uh, education, if you will, of the Amazon FBA business model. So um, in this episode, the things that I'm going to go over are sponsored ads, keyword analytics, split testing, follow-up email campaigns, promotions, and launch and blast services. So uh, up to this point, if you've been following along and you checked out episode number 15, which is part one, and episode 18, which is part two, you will have seen the process from product discovery and product research all the way to getting your products from your suppliers, and this could be a matter of months between all of these things happening, and having your products in the Amazon F, uh, FBA warehouses being sold. So you're, this would imply that your listing is created and you are generating sales already. So this third installment kind of uh, it takes place after you've already done all those things and you are now sitting in a position where your, your products are are in Amazon and you're taking sales hopefully regularly. Okay, so I'll go ahead and jump right into this. Now I listed off a few things just now, uh, bullet points that I'm going to talk about. Um, I'm going to go over those not necessarily in that order. And uh, the reason for that, I think they'll be mostly in order, but the one that I'm gonna I'm gonna bump to the top is launch and blast services. So, what is a launch or blast service? Well, back in episode four of the Fit Successful Dad podcast, which aired back in March, I believe, that was, uh, and I do mean four, like as in you know zero four, like the fourth episode ever of the podcast. I interviewed a successful entrepreneur named Anthony Lee. And Anthony Lee was uh, involved in the creation of a launch service called Zonblast. If you've never heard of it, I recommend checking it out. And he has since generated, uh, well, he's, he's generated 
quite a bit of, of buzz around Zonblast, and he's helped systematize that that company. Uh, they have a pretty big team at this point, and it's been so successful that other people have started to create other launch services as well. Now, what is a launch service? Well, a launch service is essentially a service that you pay to, you, you, it's a company like Zonblast, you pay them money, and you uh, tell them what you are going after, let's say a keyword, so you are selling something specific like a shovel, and you want to go after, you want to rank for the keyword shovel, so you want to be like, you know, the first listing for that word shovel. Well, that's that's an inf- a piece of information you would provide to Zonblast, and you'd pay them an amount of money, an amount of money, and they would go and they kind of do their magic in the background, And that consists of a couple of different strategies. And then they list all their strategies out on their website. But essentially, they have the ability to take a a set quantity of products that you're selling and they can kind of blast them out to their group. So they'll offer, they'll, in conjunction with you, they will do uh, some sort of promotion that will sell a a large quantity of your product at a discount or something like that uh, to boost sales. And they, uh, they have different time variations of which they, in which they do this. I know they have something called like a pulse. It's a pulsed uh, promotion where they they spike sales at certain times of the day over a period of a few days with some up times and some down times. And they do a whole bunch of different things. I mean, these guys are essentially geniuses uh, as far as the launch process and getting buzz around your product. And it's, it's a really good tactic. It creates a lot of... Um, a lot of energy around your listing and around your keywords that you're trying to boost uh, your product to sell and rank for. So it's interesting. Check it out. Um, I do not get an affiliate commission or anything from Zonblast, uh, but go. I recommend checking out episode four of the Fit, uh, Fit Successful Dad podcast and listening to that interview, and then also checking out the uh, Zonblast website. Now, there are some competitors to that that I, I've never used on blast, by the way, I want to be perfectly clear. I know a lot of people personally that I interact with who have used Zon blast and have gotten very, very, very good results from it. So that is all I know about the success rate is people that I know personally who have used it. Uh, either way, it's worth checking out. And there is a competitor to Zon blast that I have also heard very good things about, um, called viral launch. And I've never used them either. And to be quite honest with you, I don't know a lot about Viral Launch, so I can't really speak to it other than they have launch services available and they are, um, they're kind of rumored to have similar results. So that's all I can tell you really about it. But either way, what those services do for you and why they're called launch services is because when you go to launch your product for the first time and you put it up on Amazon and you create your listing and it's just sitting floating out there, um, rather than try to solely use pay-per-click sponsored ads within Amazon, which is an Amazon feature, uh, using a launch launch application or a launch strategy that incorporates Zonblast or Viral Launch or a blast service like that, it gives you a serious boost right out of the gate that helps you quote unquote launch your product like officially, right? So you don't just you don't just slowly trickle it out into the sea of sellers out there. You are you're blasting your way into the kind of the top list. Now, before you get too excited, you can't just expect to throw a ton of money into launch services and completely dominate Amazon. That's unfortunately, that's not a completely successful strategy, Uh, but it does help you get some initial momentum going just enough to kind of, if you use that in conjunction with sponsored ads and your listing is really awesome and you have great photography and great copy and great bullets and everything, then it helps tremendously. Now, if you try to use a blast service for a product that has uh, very poor uh, photography and and a very poorly written and poorly set up listing with poor copy, then the blast service is not going to have any sort of lasting effect whatsoever. And I wouldn't recommend investing money in 
that at that time. I would recommend investing money into the other things like your listing, um, generating the listing copy, generating the listing keyword SEO, if you will, and generating uh, really, really high quality, well-produced, possibly touched up photography to insert into the listing. So uh, the launch service, I, I do recommend those services if you have those other things already squared away. Um, again, Zonblast is a great one. I recommend checking that out and also check out episode four of the podcast if you want to hear the interview with Anthony Lee. Okay. So there's a few other things here uh, that you can do when you launch that are, are really, really good strategies. Um, and it will take some trial and error. So every product is different and every market is different. Every niche is different. Uh, but anyway, one of those things is promotions. So when you launch a product, um, you can run a promotion and you can set these up pretty easily within Amazon and you do that all within seller central and there is a promotions tab. You just go in there and, and kind of set it up from there. And a promotion can be essentially, um, a, a sale, if you will. It's, it's, it's a way that you can generate coupon codes. If you've ever used an online coupon, you know, you generate a code and you put the code in at checkout and it either reduces the cost of something or, or, or reduces a percentage of the cost or, or fixed cost, or, you know, you can buy one, get one or do something like that. Put two in the cart, save 10%, that kind of stuff. You can set up any variation of those things and they do work really well as long as you can get people to see the promotion. So one of the ways that you can do this is having all of the promotional um, percentages that they're going to save and all, all the actual um, coupon code benefits listed in your listing. You can do that. So you can generate a listing um, that, you know, you generate your listing and you can generate a promotion. And in that promotion, you're setting up the benefit of using the promotional code you can define that and then you can take that definition and you can put that in your listing. So when people go to your listing, it'll have the normal bullet points. It'll have the normal description. And then near the bottom, it can say, you can have it, you can choose for it to say whatever the promotion is for. So, uh, it can say, you can say, have it say, all right, add, um, two products from, you know, company X and, save 15% for 15% will be reduced automatically in the cart, something like that. And it's a really good strategy. Here's the issue with promotions. Just because you generate a promotion and you generate coupon codes and you put that content in your listing doesn't mean people are a going to see it or B, uh, you know, going to necessarily care to, uh, to, to go after that promotion. So it's really driving traffic to the fact that you have a promotion to offer. And that's, that's the tricky part. Uh, a lot of times you can generate coupon codes and then distribute those coupon codes somewhere else, like off of Amazon that drives traffic back to Amazon to use those coupon codes. That's a really smart way to do it and a really successful way to do that. And people do that in Facebook groups. People do that in, um, you know, like, like other, other seller communities. Uh, if you have a following and audience of any kind around your brand, launching products to that brand using coupon codes and promotions is such a smart and very successful way to get buzz around the products, boost for keywords, rank higher, get more sales on Amazon. And, uh, but that, that implies that you have an audience to do that with. Um, if you don't have an audience, if you haven't spent weeks or months generating an audience, either on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or some other social media platform or wherever your customer base, you know, hangs out online. Um, if you don't have an audience, you can launch to somebody else's audience. You can leverage somebody else's audience. And how do you do that? Well, that's a whole another complicated not necessarily complicated, but it's a whole other, I guess, complex um, thing by itself. That implies that you, and requires that you kind of finesse your way into a relationship with a influencer. 
And an influencer is that person who has that audience already. And if you, so if you aren't friends with someone in that position already, you know, reaching out to them and slowly cultivating that relationship is the way to start that. And then once you, once you kind of work that for a while and you come up with some sort of agreement that is mutually beneficial and makes sense for both of you to move forward with, that would be the opportunity for you to say that you have this promotion available, they can launch it to their audience and you can return the favor in the form of something like a financial incentive or free products or something. Uh, it's going to be different every single time, but that would be an opportunity to do that. And if you can leverage somebody else's audience, when you do not have your own, then that's a massive, massive way uh, to be um, almost to almost ensure that you can get some huge eyeballs, you know, huge number of eyeballs on your products. So um, promotions, right? Critically important if they're used correctly. Uh, I'm going to move on here to sponsored ads because at this point your product's online. So uh, if you've listened to the previous episodes on this, um, you know, episode 18 and episode uh, 15. I had them set up differently. I had I had them set up almost in a step-by-step format, but in this episode, it's it's more like you're up and running. Here's some things that you need to at least be aware of and in uh, practice in some way um, these these things and incorporate them sort of as needed. Okay, so with that, I'm going to move on to sponsored ads. Now, sponsored ads is another way of saying pay-per-click, and pay-per-click is another way of saying sponsored ads. I did touch on this a little bit in episode 18, and I'm going to take a deeper dive here. So essentially, sponsored ads are the ad, if you search for something in Amazon, a lot of times the top listing is is a little bit different looking than the other listings. It'll have some sort of box around it, or it'll have uh, some sort of bold text, some unique identifying feature that makes it pop out on the screen, and it makes it stand out. It almost becomes the focal point of the returned results that came back when you typed in whatever you typed in. And uh, that's usually a sponsored ad. And a lot of times, uh, it should say sponsored ad on it, or sponsored, or something with the word sponsor um, in or around that, that result that came up on the page. So, um, that is what a sponsored ad is. And and that is what happens when you pay for sponsored ads. Now, sometimes Amazon will put them in different spots, um, depending on what level of seller you are and what sort of options you have available and what kind of money you throw at it. Amazon might put you on the sidebar. They might put you, uh, just in the regular listing results, but at the very top, and then premium sellers have the ability to have almost like a a their own graphic made that is that shows up almost above the returned results and i'm sure you've seen that as well um sometimes it's a lot of times actually it's it's big 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 brands you know like reebok or or even amazon's own stuff like for the kindle fire something like that uh but occasionally you'll see uh, lesser, lesser known brands have their products show up there. Um, and, and that's, you know, it'd be like this graphical, uh, almost like, you know, online flyer looking thing that'll show up above the search results and it'll be a full, a full color, um, you know, really cool custom looking graphic that almost takes up, you know, a, a good chunk of the page and doesn't look like a listing. It looks like an advertisement banner, uh, but that's that's another form of sponsored advertising within Amazon. But that is uh, restricted to only certain sellers. Okay. Uh, but for just regular sponsored ads, the ones that put your listing at the very top, uh, that is what you can set up as a professional seller with your regular professional account. Um, you can even do it with a basic account, right? But I think most of us probably have the pro account. So. Uh, when you set up your sponsored ads campaign, there's a couple of different strategies for this. A lot of people like to go in and set up the kind of the default automated campaign. And if you do that, it's a lot simpler to set up. Um, 
It's not probably the best choice for long-term sponsored ads, but it's definitely the best choice for immediate sponsored ads. And what it is, is when you go into the campaigns and you set up that automated campaign, uh, Amazon will automatically choose keywords that it wants to bid on for you. And you can set a daily limit and it will bid on the keywords that it thinks is relevant up into your daily limit. It will not exceed your daily limit. So you can set your daily limit to something like 20 bucks or 10 bucks or whatever, you know, $10. And it will bid on words that it thinks you are, you should be ranking for relevant words that you think that it thinks are applicable. And, um, when people type in that word, it will bring your listing to the very top of the search results. And when people click on it, you will get charged essentially. And if they buy it, that's great. If they don't, that's uh that's a you know that's a bummer I guess but you have paid for it either way once they click on it so that's the case and that's the way it works now the the benefit of using the automated Amazon defined um, you know keywords the automated sponsored ads campaign is that um, you you don't always know what keywords people are going to use to find your product even though you think you know. Amazon will be able to tell you what, uh, what, well, first of all, they'll be able to tell you what keywords people are using to, to find your product and then what keywords are actually converting into sales. But the automated, um, the automated sponsored ads campaign is great for finding new keywords because Amazon will almost produce new keywords for you based on what it thinks is relevant. And it's interesting what people can come back with or what Amazon can come back with based on what people put in. And I guarantee that there's going to be some, uh, there's going to be some keywords there that show up that are going to just shock you. Um, you know, they may be relevant once you see them, but you probably didn't think of them before. And it's interesting, like I said, so I recommend setting up the automated sponsored ads campaign so that Amazon can go do its thing and come back with some data for you to then tweak your campaigns and produce the best results. So, um, so there's that. So I would set that up and I would let that run for, gosh, I mean, there's, there's people who let that run for a week, two weeks, a month. Um, really just do what you think is best. Now, since you're new, I would just say at a minimum, let it run for a week, let it run for one week, seven days, seven full days. And then on the eighth day, you know, you can reduce the cost, uh, significantly and check it out. Or what I would do is just leave it running. But then after that week, I would pull the data and go check it out. Uh, so, you know, when you pull the data, you can go in and order a search term result and this or a search term report that shows the results. So if you go into, I believe it's reports and you go into search terms or search term report and you request the report, uh, it will uh, generate a report, a report for you and it should have all of the search term data around your product. Now, before I go any further, if you are requesting a search term report for the first time or any report, I believe, uh, you need to go in and do that as soon as possible because the first time you request it, it almost sets up this reporting, uh, I guess this reporting database, database structure for you specifically for your account. Uh, I don't want that to confuse you, but essentially what it means is every account, um, has to request reports for the first time in a special way, like a unique way. They have to go in and start requesting reports. And when they do that, it's just, it's this extra little check in the box that has to happen. And then once you do that one time, you can go in whenever you want and generate a search term report. Okay. But the first time you do it, you have to, there's a little bit of a waiting period because it has to process through the, the giant churn of Amazon. Um, so go in and, and go into the reports section and request a search and report as soon as you can and make sure that that's all set and going. And then after this week of sponsored ads using the automated Amazon campaign, 
you can go in and generate the actual search term report. And when you do that, you're going to get a, um, it's a, it's a search, well, they call it a search term report. Essentially what it is, is a whole bunch of data. And if you have Excel, I recommend you use Excel for this, uh, or, or another spreadsheet software, uh, program. But if you have Excel, you can just, uh, open that file in Excel and it will show, it'll populate everything into separate cells and let you organize it and move it around and, uh, just makes it a lot easier. Now it's, uh, it's huge. It's a huge file with a lot of things going on. Some of the things you really need to look for are, uh, let's see. So we've got the customer name. That's not really important. Uh, the campaign name is just going to be the campaign, which was your automated Amazon campaign. That's not really important either. Um, but the things that are in here are impressions, um, clicks. Now impressions are, essentially how many times that product went through for that, that keyword. So if you're looking at this file in Excel, I'm going to use Excel because I know it. Uh, if you're looking at this report in Excel, um, going from, from left to right, if you're familiar with Excel, I'm just going to start rattling off columns because it makes it easiest. Um, it'll populate the same for everybody. So, um, column, I believe it's column D is the keyword. So column C is going to show you the customer search term. So that's the search term that the customer actually typed into Amazon. And then column D is going to show you what the keyword was in the thing that they typed that triggered your listing. And for a lot of these automated ones, it's just going to show up as an asterisk because it's considered a like a broad, a broad um, keyword, you know, search term report thing. It's not really like... It's not really something specific that you told Amazon to, to bind to your campaign. So, uh, but later on, those are going to be very, very important when you start making your own campaigns. So that's calls, uh, columns C and D. Now, call the, uh, column H is your impressions. So that is an impression is when that sponsored ad flies across the screen and people see it. Uh, whether they click on it or not, that's an impression. So if you get one impression, that means one person saw it or one, you know, one person scrolled right past it or saw it in some way. Uh, clicks are going to be, um, what it sounds like. It's when people click on them. So, you know, if you're going left to right here in column C, there's a search term that someone typed in column D is going to show you the keyword that that search term triggered. And then all the way over in column I will be the number of clicks that that search term um, yielded. And then also right before that is column H and that's how many impressions that search term and that keyword, uh, was able to, uh, to get, you know, just for, just for showing up. Um, column J is the click through rate. So that's when people click on it and then click out of it. Uh, the total spend is column K. Now that's the amount of money that you spent in that search term period, right? That report period, that's the uh, amount that you spent for that keyword, uh, for that number of clicks, for that number of impressions. Okay. Uh, the, uh, next column, column L is the average CPC or average cost per click. And that is important because as I said in the previous episode, number 18, the cost per click actually changes. It's not fixed and it's, it's all based on how many other people are bidding for that keyword and, uh, the competition for that keyword to rank. And the more competition there is, the probably the higher the price is going to be, but it also depends on what the, 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 no, like the dollar amount is of, of what those other people are bidding and what you're bidding. So if you're bidding, you know, this automated thing, you can set a, a limit, but other people might say they want to bid $10 for that keyword. Some categories have words that are that high in competition and people bid that high for. So, uh, so again, uh, column L is the average cost per click. Okay. Column M as in Michael, the next one, that is uh, a something called a cost. If you've never heard of a cost, it is the average cost of sale. So that is the average cost that you spent for that keyword to get a sale. So hopefully it's not too high. And this is where analytics and breaking this down and really dissecting it uh, comes into play. And it's, it's crucially important for setting up and optimizing 
a pay-per-click campaign, but average cost of sale, a cost is huge. Um, you want your a cost to be low so that you're not spending whatever, let's say you're selling something that costs on Amazon, it costs the customer $22.95. You don't want your average cost of sale to be $12 because if it's $12, uh, you can take that $22.95 and really it's a $10.95 sale, right? $22.95 minus 12 is $10.95. And then after the FBA fees and the shipping fee, you're probably only getting a few bucks, you know, but definitely in the single digits and probably the low single digits. So that's, that's a number the a cost, the ACOS, you want that to be as low as possible. And what that really means at the end of the day is that you are flashing your advertisement in front of somebody and they're clicking on it and buying it. And that whole process is costing you as little as possible. Okay. So those are, those are kind of the critical columns that you need to look at. Uh, there's a whole bunch of data. This goes all the way out to column X in, uh, if you're plotting this in Excel and there's a, there's all kinds of data that I personally never really look at. Uh, there's stuff related to SKUs or other SKUs, related SKUs, similar SKUs, conversions, conversions is interesting. It's, um, the conversion rate, uh, there's conversion rate within one week of a click. So uh, this data report actually can tell if someone searched for your product, whether they clicked on it after that sponsored ad came up, and then if it was something they ended up buying later, like within a week, you know, they track that. And it's a conversion rate within a week. It's a it's an actual metric. Um, column P is the product sales within one week of a click. So if you have, it's it's what it sounds like. If they search for your thing and they use a keyword and it triggers your ad and your ad comes up and they click on it and they purchase it within a week. It tracks that and it gives you the dollar amount that they spent on it. And that's interesting because if you're running a bunch of promotions and stuff, uh, they might type it in and click on your sponsored ad even, you know, and put in your promotion. So a lot of these numbers might come up as the normal sale price. Some of it might come up as the promotional price. And if you're doing a, like a blast service, it may be free. I mean, you just never quite know. So it's good to have all this data. In fact, if you're, if you're pulling a report like this, you probably will have varying prices. Uh, and that's interesting too, because if you're split testing, which we'll talk about in a minute, you'll see that split testing plays a role and you can start to compare the data from this, um, the search term report against the split testing that you did. And you can start to see, wow, I not only did I have more sales, but I had more sales for this specific keyword when I used this photo, you know, when I was split testing photos for thumbnails or I was split testing, uh, descriptions or titles or something like that. So, um, it's, it's all a big data, game and a lot of comparison. And, um, if you're into numbers and tracking data and comparing and doing this and that, uh, you know, then, then this is, this is definitely the game for you. So, um, so that's, that's really the search term report broken down, which is the big part of sponsored ads or a big part of sponsored ads. And with this information, you can go into the sponsored ads portion of the site of seller central again, and you can start to create custom campaigns. And that's really, really good because you can dial in exactly what search terms you want to pay for and what you want to pay for each one. So with this data, you can, I recommend going through and highlighting all of the search terms that yielded sales. And then from there, highlight the ones that searched uh, the yielded sales with a low A cost. And those are going to be your bread and butter right now. So those are going to be the ones, obviously, if they, they had to have yielded sales, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's better if they've yielded more sales. But those in general, those keywords are going to be your bread and butter. So those are going to be the ones you set up your campaign around. Um, so those are going to be the primary ones you put in. So when you set up your new campaign, you start to populate your new campaign with specific keywords. And those should be the ones that your search term report showed yielded a sale and that the, the A cost, the ACOS was as low as, uh, as possible. And then, um, you know, you can bid high on those. You can try bidding, um, you know, whatever you think is reasonable, but if you bid high on those, you can kind of secure that, that keyword and you know that your, 
ACOS is going to be really low if people search for it, then the good thing is that you will probably drive more traffic to that keyword than most people who are also bidding on it. But here is the problem. Here's one thing to keep in mind. Just because you bid a lot of money on a keyword and you're and, and by doing so, you're almost guaranteeing that you will kind of command uh, and you know dictate the traffic that's going to that keyword and, and kind of funneling it to your product and your, your listing. Um, just because you're doing that does not mean that it's going to be profitable. So getting, you know, a ton of people to go to your listing is great. If you actually get sales out of it, if you are driving people to your listing and they're looking at it and then they click out of it and go to another listing from another company for another product and buy something, or if they buy nothing at all, then you're really just spending money and not getting anything else in return. So you're just spending money, not gaining money, you know, not getting any sales. That's a bad thing. And that's where listing optimization comes in, which I did talk about earlier. And I talked about a little bit in episode two, which was, uh, or part two of this, which was episode 18. So I guess my point of bringing that up is that uh, pricing yourself into a position to win keywords and win the traffic visibility, the traffic and visibility is good if you have the listing and the copy in order to convert. So just keep that in mind. I'm just going to say that one more time. So this whole thing about keywords and search terms and ACOS and all that has been kind of a mouthful. So just a real quick brief summary on the report. Uh, you need to get that search term listing report from Amazon, the search term report. That is huge. Once you get that, you can look at it to gain an understanding of what people are searching for, how many clicks were uh, that took place to uh, get to your listing with that search term, and what the, the keyword within that search term was the trigger, and then how many sales uh, you were able to yield from that search term, from that keyword, and then what you spent total, your average cost of sale, uh, what you spent in advertising dollars in order to get that sale. So there's a lot of other information in there, but those are the, the big pieces of information that are extremely useful. So it took me a long time to say all that because of all the little nuances and data that go around that. But that's the main, uh, the meat of the whole search term report and the way that that data is kind of collected and, and uh, the analytics are presented by Amazon to you. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and move on from sponsored ads and paid traffic and pay-per-click and all of that stuff. And I'm going to move on to... Uh, email follow-up sequences or email follow-up campaigns. So this is not a feature that's built into Amazon, and this is not something you absolutely have to do, but a lot of uh, successful sellers will swear by using a follow-up email sequence every time a purchase is made. And you can absolutely do this manually, but it's uh, probably, well, maybe not even possible given the fact that you may have a, a full-time nine to five job or something and you got kids around, it may not be possible, especially if you are in the position of getting quite a few sales. So 10, 20, 30 a day, you know, it's going to be hard. So what an email follow-up sequence is, is essentially, uh, it, it's, it's kind of what it sounds like when, when a customer makes a purchase, uh, you are notified of that purchase and, uh, there's a whole bunch of different variations of this that people use and have been successful with and not successful with. But essentially what it is, is a sequence of emails that you as the seller are sending to the buyer after the purchase is made. And some of these might, what one particular campaign might look like this a customer makes a purchase. You send an email thanking them for the purchase and letting them know that Amazon is preparing the order to ship. And then a couple days later or whatever, you know, when the delivery is shipped, you might send them another email saying, Hey, just a heads up, your delivery's on the way. I hope you like the product. Um, thank you again for your purchase. And then a couple days later, when they get the product, you might email again and say, Hey, it just looks like your uh, product has arrived. So, uh, thank you again for your purchase. Enjoy the product. If you have any questions about it, feel free to email me directly and I will respond with whatever information you might need something like that. And then, uh, you may even follow up with a fourth email after that, that says, um, like a week later, two weeks later, how did you like your product? Uh, 
did you did did it do everything you wanted to do? Did it did you get value out of it in the way that you were hoping? And if you did, could you please uh, leave a review in Amazon and um, rate me as a seller? Leave me seller feedback. Uh, that's a pretty common, you know, not verbatim, but that's a pretty common email follow up sequence that a lot of people use, and it's good. And I've actually used variations of that that are very very similar. And they have been successful. Um, now I've split tested my email follow-up sequences and I've found one that's more successful, but that, that particular blueprint right there that I just laid out, that's a really good starting point and, um, and it works really well. Now, as far as platforms that you would use to send those emails, well, you can do this, like I said, you can do this manually if you really want to. And that would involve going into your seller central and looking at the, uh, looking at the sale that took place and then clicking on the contact buyer link. Uh, now they don't give you the email address, but they let you contact the buyer through Amazon. So you actually go through Amazon's platform. Their email address is uh, it's encrypted or it's it's coded so that it's just like 30 characters that make no sense. But for all intents and purposes, you're sending them an email and you can do that manually if you'd like to. I do know people that have done that before and they kind of ended up in a situation where they were pulling their hair out because it was so stressful, uh, especially when they were trying to like keep a timeline for every single customer. And every timeline was a little bit different. It gets really, really tricky. Uh, you, you know, it's like almost a full-time job at that point and just managing, especially if you're getting a lot of sales because you're managing, uh, you know, this, I had 20 sales a day, so I have to send out 20 initial emails, but three people got their products today. So I have to send out that email. Four people have had it for a week. So I have to send out those emails. 20 people have a 20 other people have something in process. So I have to send out those emails. So it's just, it gets really, really complicated. You end up sending, you know, you could send 20 to 50, 60 emails a day. And so, um, there's services that offer this and they're, they're pretty reliable. Well, there's a couple of them that are pretty reliable and have a lot of cool built-in features. Now I have only ever used one and I've never changed from that one because I have had nothing but success with that particular service. And this, uh, that service is provided by a company called Seller Labs. And the product is called Feedback Genius. So uh, the, the software is pretty cool. What it, It's not even really a program. You don't have to download it. You just kind of sign up for an account. It costs money. Uh, I don't remember what I pay. It's not very much. In fact, their pricing goes up from, uh, they have a free plan available. And I think that limits you to, I want to say a hundred emails a month, uh, which might sound like a lot, but if you're selling products, you could be selling 10, 20, 30 a day. You could sell, you could send out those hundred emails in, you know, a couple of days. So, um, but then they go up, I believe in $20 increments from there, roughly all the way up to $250. So the plan, I think the plan I use is actually a combination of the $20 plan with a couple of other uh, kind of like a la carte add-on features that you can add. And I think I pay 30, maybe I pay 40. I honestly, this, uh, I don't remember, but it's, and it's relatively inexpensive. And what it does is it lets you set up those campaigns automatically and you can set triggering events and gates and time delays. And, uh, you can set it different for every single, um, product that you sell for every, and then you can kind of do it by SKU or ASIN, which are two identifying like reference designators within the Amazon's uh, system that they use to identify your product. Uh, but anyway, you, you separate it by SKUs and, uh, it, it makes it really, really simple. Now you can also customize them using, uh, like built in, it's almost like uh, internal seller labs syntax. So you can integrate within your message, um, all kinds of, of code basically that with little tags that they give you. And, uh, an, an example of that can be, um, you know, you set up this email sequence and you want the first email to go out to every single customer when they buy a product. And you want that email to say, Hey, and then the person's real name. Well, you can do that by putting in a code, the code, whatever it's called. Um, it's like a bracket with some verbiage and then close bracket. And that code will pull when you, when you send that email automatically, it will actually go into your Amazon account and it will dive into, um, the, the buyer history and it'll actually pull their first name from it and put that in the email and send it off. Uh, there's all kinds of other stuff. You can do time, date, product, and you can actually, um, 
change what you your product uh, looks like in the email, like the, the product name. So for example, if you're selling something like, uh, I keep going back to garden shovel, so I'll stick with that. If you're selling this garden shovel and it's got some really, really long, complicated title with a bunch of, you know, just it's just long and um, there's a lot of pieces to it. Um, you don't want to say in your email, you know, dear, dear Joe, thank you for buying your 100% stainless steel garden shovel with wooden handle and rubber ergonomic grip and extra uh, serrated teeth for efficient digging. You know, you don't want to put the whole title like that in the email because it sounds ridiculous and it sounds automated and it sounds like a robot put that whole thing together. So what you want to do, and you can do this in Feedback Genius, is you can go into the item itself inside Feedback Genius and you can say, when I refer to this long garden shovel title, I want Feedback Genius to just abbreviate that to simply stainless steel garden shovel or whatever it is, you know? Uh, so you can basically make a nickname for each of your products. So if you're selling, um, like, I don't know, some crazy, uh, beer mug, it's a, you know, I don't know, just something that's like made out of pewter and it's got a bottle opener that detaches from the handle or something. I don't know. You can just say, instead of having all of that stuff, like it would be in the title, you can just say, beer mug. So when you sell that, send the email, it'll say, Hey, Adam, dear Adam, thank you so much for buying our beer mug. And then you can move on from there and talk about whatever it is you want to talk about in that email. So that's one of the features I really like about uh, feedback genius. It's been great. And in addition to just being able to have those tags, which by the way, there's, there's quite a few, there's like probably a hundred different tags you can choose from to use inside your email, to customize it, to make it look like it's actually from you. And it's, authentic. And, uh, the thing is, if we all had our way, we would send individual emails to every single buyer by hand typed out. Uh, but it's just not feasible when you start selling a high volume of products. It's, it's just not possible, not by yourself. So these tools are, are great because you can actually, you have control over what you're saying to everybody and you can make sure it's authentic. And the thing is, if they respond, you actually get the reply. So then you can go in and you can make it a, you know, a personal hand typed thing, whatever, whatever it is that they want to talk about. So it's great. Uh, there's another, there's tons of services that do this. The other one that I know is really popular is called a Weber. And, um, I think it's a W E B E R. Now I've never used it, so I can't really speak too much about it other than I know a handful of people personally that use it and have used, um, feedback genius. And, you know, they've, they've elected to go with a Weber for whatever reason, but at the end of the day, I think they both kind of feel like they do the same thing more or less. Uh, the other thing with, uh, feedback genius, which by the way, I don't, I don't get an affiliate bonus or anything. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like I'm plugging the software, but that's just because I've had great experiences with it. Uh, but the other thing is that they've had, um, they've provided really, really, really top notch customer service to me personally. So I've had some issues with it in the past and, uh, turned out to be an operator error actually on my part, just really just, uh, a couple of weird little quirks with setting up um, a very complicated email chain in terms of, you know, sequencing of events and stuff. And after talking to them for, I don't know, in less than an hour, uh, which in, in which they were totally responsive and respectful and really, really genuinely interested in getting my problem solved. Uh, after going through that, we, we got past it and the campaign that I set up worked exactly like I wanted it to. And it was perfect it was perfect. And actually it still operates to this day. So that was probably a year ago now. And, uh, and it's been great. So their, their customer service is top notch and they'll respond to your emails promptly. And I uh, just, you know, big fan of the software. So for now I'll continue to use it. So feedback genius, email campaigns. Now, why are email campaigns so important? Why is it so important to follow up with emails? Uh, there's a couple things. The main one is to get reviews. And, um, uh, in addition to that seller feedback, so seller feedback is essentially a positive or negative tick against your account. It has nothing to do with the product that's against your account. And then uh, the product review is actually, you know, it's, uh, it's the, the star rating on the listing itself. So you want both. Seller feedback isn't something that people necessarily look at when they buy a product, 
but it does seem to help your account when it comes to ranking and uh, good standing over a period of time, over a long period of time. If you continue to get good seller feedback, it's uh, it's good for your account health. And uh, if you continue to get bad seller feedback, negative seller feedback, well, I believe that kind of does the opposite. So it'll actually affect you negatively in terms of, well, potentially, no one really knows this for sure, but it's been rumored that it could potentially affect you negatively regarding your um, your ranking ability. And then also it puts your account at risk for um, being in, in bad health. And if it's in quote unquote bad health, uh, it just, it draws more attention to you. So you want to have a positive an overall positive seller feedback rating. And that's something you can request from your buyers to go in and provide that for you. And in um, Feedback Genius, you can actually provide links within the Feedback Genius code directly to your um, seller feedback page and directly to the product listing so that they can leave a review. So if you're asking for a review, you can drop in the review link. If you're asking for feedback, you can drop in the feedback link and they can click right there and take two seconds and go populate that stuff for you and hopefully help you out. So all that stuff is important. And that's really, that's one of the, that's probably the main reason though. That is the main reason for sending out automated emails. But the other thing is customer service. So a lot of people don't put a lot of stock into that necessarily, at least not initially, but customer service is massive. If you're able to provide like top-notch customer service from the moment a, uh, a customer buys something from you, they're going to remember that. They're going to know that. And it's going to lead to a, the building of a relationship and a, the building of a reputation of your brand and you as a seller uh, and, and that will kind of spread naturally. So if you are a seller that just has products up on Amazon and when people reach out to you, you don't respond or you respond with, you know, essentially I, I can't help you. There's nothing I can do. Or, you know, you aren't very, um, sensitive to the fact that they need something from you and uh, you aren't very forthcoming with communication, well, that will spread also, and that will build a reputation also, and that will build a relationship as well, but it'll all be negative. So that will not help you in the future. That is not what you want, and that is not going to lead you to success down the road, at least not long-term, long-lasting, you know, sustained success. So uh, follow-up emails, very, very important. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is split testing. And split testing is something you can use in pretty much every area or of your listing. And you can even use split testing in your email campaigns. But essentially what split testing is, is trying something new for a period of time, watching the amount of sales you get, watching the amount of your, uh, the amount of money that you pump into uh, sponsored ads and pay-per-click, watching your ACOS, watching your click-through rate, that kind of stuff. And then after a period of time, usually a week or two weeks, changing that variable to something else and then watching it all again. And then a week or two after that, changing it to another one and constantly adjusting and going back to the original ones and seeing which thing you're changing, which variable you're changing has the greatest impact uh, in a positive way on your sales. Okay, so an example of that would be the thumbnail picture. If you are changing your thumbnail picture on a weekly basis, that is a good split test. And you can do that from like between two pictures or three or four or five or whatever, however many, it doesn't matter. Uh, just know that the long, the more things you're trying to change, the longer it's going to take. So if you have say three thumbnails that you really like, and you're not sure which one is going to draw the most attention and yield the most clicks, then a split test would come in handy here. You can try one, leave it for a week, try the second one, leave that for a week, try the third one, leave that for a week. And you can go back and look at your search term report and see how many clicks you got the first week, second week, third week, etc. And you can kind of analyze from there. Uh, so the pictures is a big thing for split testing. Uh, a lot of people do that. And that's how you kind of optimize your listing based is based on your, your thumbnails. The other thing people change a lot is titles, bullet points, um, description a little bit, but mostly bullet points and title. And then you can also 
split test your email sequences. Now that's something that's a lot more complicated, a lot more time consuming. Um, well, it doesn't have to be, I guess, but, but it, it can be, there's more opportunity and more depth to it, but there's more opportunity for it to be complicated because you may have a three, four or five email sequence. So to change all that stuff, you know, there's just a lot more moving parts, but, uh, the only thing with, with split testing, cause I do find it extremely useful and I don't know one person that hasn't gone through split testing and come out positively on the other side. But the one thing with it is that I do not recommend ever changing two variables at once, just like with all things you're trying to test and figure out what works only change one variable at a time. So if you're doing pictures, just change the one thing, one picture. If you're doing uh, bullet points, just change your bullet points. Do not change your bullet points and a picture or your bullet points and the title. If you're doing the title, just change the title. So uh, split testing is critical. It's awesome and it yields great results, but only change one variable at a time. So at this point, we have gone through everything that you need to discover a product find a supplier for that product, order the product, get samples, rework samples, get prototypes, order a major uh, minimum order quantity, bulk order, whatever it is, create a listing on Amazon, uh, get your professional account set up, tweak your listing, kind of optimize it for the initial launch, get your inventory in, um, assign SKUs for it, shipped everything to Amazon and had it uh, placed in the warehouses. You've created promotions using coupon codes. You've created automated and custom sponsored ads campaigns. You have learned about using launch services like Zonblast or uh, Viral Launch. You have learned about listing optimization with split testing. You have learned about email follow-up sequences we have taken a little bit of a deep dive into the search term report and kind of dissected the ACOS and keyword search term uh, data, the analytics, uh, the click-through rate, the cost per click, and uh, you know how many sales were yielded per keyword and all that stuff. So I won't say that this is everything you need to know to get started, but at the same time, this is kind of everything you need to know to get started. So there, just with everything, there are so many levels you can take each one of these things. And if you're running a business, you're going to want to get to those deep, deep, deep levels on all of these things. But to get started, you don't need to know every single little tiny, teeny detail about pay-per-click advertising or sponsored ads in Amazon. You don't need to know every single detail about listing optimization. Everything I shared here is everything you need to get started. And to try and overcomplicate the process is going to do just that. And that's overcomplicate the process. And if you do that, it's going to cause uh, like the paralysis by analysis, as people say. And it's, it's, a, it's a big problem. And I don't recommend trying to think too hard about some of these things that you may hear, some of these terms you may hear uh, searching around the internet about uh, like, like bulking items together and different variations and doing all this other stuff and adding more items and trying to launch with uh, just massive quantities of products and different variations and all this, all these other moving parts. Uh, all, that's all good stuff, but not for getting started. That is not the type of thing you want to overwhelm yourself with when you're just getting started. So uh, this is about three hours combined between episodes 15, 18, and 21. And uh, this is the Amazon FBA breakdown. If you need to know more about these things um, and, and the questions weren't answered in these three podcast episodes, feel free to email me. And I will break down everything that uh, you need to know into further details um, and, and as much as I can. So um, that's the door is always open. Feel free to, to shoot me an email and we can get a conversation going. So uh, with that, guys, if you got value out of this at all and you know someone else that might get value out of this as well, go ahead and share this with them. I am trying to get more people into this business model because overall, more than anything else, I think this business model will create the added income that people are going to need to realize that they have an undiscovered entrepreneurial side and it is very, very powerful 
and all they need to do is kind of realize it and then reveal it and then they can see just what they're capable of and it's my mission to connect with more people just like me and just like you and make that happen so share this with someone that you think might get value out of this and with that guys i am going to wrap it up and i will catch you on the next episode take care